Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler. Can you smell the love? We're talking about unity today, and Maren Gaffrin is here to share her sermon, brownies, and more with us from last weekend. But before we thumb through our thesauruses to see what isolation looks like when healed, now that they've accused me of doing wrong, but they've seen my honorable behavior, let's give honor to God and welcome in our favorite tender-hearted co-hosts with Homo Fron, Aaron, and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Yay, Good day. Now, now you're on the other side of this. You, 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 <laughs> so weird. You get to show be, up and right see before, what happens. Right before, as we were talking, I said something about, oh, we'll probably talk about this later and then that's when it hit Marin that we were going to be talking about her sermon on yeah. the podcast today. Yeah, Marin, you're in the hot seat. It's, it's been a really busy day and so it really wasn't <laughs> until we just like started this pod that I was like, oh shoot. Barry wasn't just asking me what I did this week. Like we're actually right. talking about my message. Yeah. Wow. And I wondered like, seat. I wondered what you would, I thought you would hit on, on the thesaurus. I thought that oh, would yeah. make, make an appearance. brownies. You did it. You nailed it. Tender hearted. And after, <laughs> and after Marin described it, yes, I'm tender hearted like a first responder. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think of myself as that manly when I'm yeah. cradling foster rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, oh what is going on? What's new? I want to hear more about how Marin is doing. This is <laughs> post sermon. This is a big weekend. <laughs> All right. So for anybody who hasn't been keeping up with great stuff, Marin gave the sermon last weekend and I guess the whole pod will be dedicated to that because that that's all we want to hear about that's it because it's the day after we're recording this the day after and Mary yeah. is upright she's at work um, <laughs> she's upright yeah <laughs> yeah well I mean Amy Christie gives a sermon and she's like I need the next four days off <laughs> no 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 <laughs> not true no yeah yeah Are I'm here at work me? because you know stuff's got to get done we still got to do yeah. stuff we talked about Christmas today Tyler that's right we got to do that's stuff right. we had a meeting talking about the Christmas series so it, so it Marin, never ends at Christmas. yes Tyler yes Tyler it's been a week last week we talked you said I got work to do yes because I and, did uh, <laughs> you did that work how do you feel like you feel good how do you what, what is your feeling right now looking yeah. back on the weekend yeah um I walked out of church with a song in my head that I probably haven't thought of in at least five years, like not since I moved here. Got away from the the gospel music scene in Chicago when I moved to Fishers, Indiana. But I walked out of church with an old Andre Crouch song in my head, um, to God be the glory for the things he has done. And I got to the parking lot. And I looked that song up and listened to it on my drive home and just sobbed. So that's, mm. that's how I feel. To God be the glory for the things he has done. I can't tell you how many times over the last three years, I, I never aspired to be a, a speaking pastor. It was never like a, a aim or a goal of mine. But I admire Amy. I admire Mel. I admired Kareen, these women that I would see speak. And I would think to myself, I could never do that. Hmm. Like I, I had those thoughts multiple times. Oh man, I don't know how they, how do they talk for that long? I could <laughs> never do that. And so just having. Turns out you talked for 30 minutes longer. I talked pretty long, pretty long. <laughs> I tried so hard to get it to 30 minutes. Kidding. I talked for a full 35, my sincere apologies, but, but just, I did it. And so it's, I wouldn't even say it's a, it's not a feeling of relief per se, as much as it's just a feeling of awe. Like mm -hmm. I can't believe from start to finish 
what the process was like and having Tim and Amy and Barry and Dave like speak their wisdom into this process and how much I learned in a very short amount of time. And that just makes me hungry for more learning. Yeah. 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 I'm, I, I wouldn't say I feel relieved. I'd say I feel like in awe of what God did and then like encouraged and inspired. Great. Well, yeah. I was, I was in awe too, Marin. Um, I mean, I knew I wouldn't have asked you to speak if I didn't have every confidence in your ability, but holy cow, I sat there during the five o'clock service and I just wept multiple times as I was just watching you share your heart for grace and exegete scripture. And uh, it, it was so, so cool. And the thing I can't get over, Marin, and maybe it's because you're an artist, a performer, you know, you somehow managed to just be an absolute natural as if you'd been up there hundreds of times before you were filling the room, you were engaging with people. And I'm like, how in the world is she this good at this already? Yeah. Your jokes, your timing was great. You had great pauses. I was like, what, what is this? How does this happen? (laughs) Nobody's this good. Their first time. It was awesome. Maybe it's beginner's luck, man. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. No, I, so I used to tour like doing original music before I ever came to grace before I ever left Chicago. And part of that life is like you write a song, right? So you get to like speak from your heart in, in song, but you talk between songs. Yeah. It's it's always improv. It's different every night, but you share a little bit of your heart, but you only share for like a minute and a half and then you're on to the (laughs) next song. Mm, And so that's why I was so just overwhelmed at the thought of like, you mean I'm going to just talk to them for, for 30 minutes. Yeah. Like how, yeah. when I started this process, I was worried about not having enough content. And then the <laughs> yeah. biggest battle was trimming it down because I had so, 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 so much to say. I said yeah. nothing about Peter. I said nothing <laughs> of, about that aspect of the world behind the text. Who is the writer of first Peter? Mm-hmm. I, my first draft of this thing was so, so long. And I said so much about who he was and why he would have written that letter. And so, Hmm. well, that's why we have the show. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, we can get into some of that. That is the challenge of just like, it's kind of like painting or it's a lot like writing a song. Like I could put a million instruments in a song, but maybe it would sound better with just four and I could put a million concepts into a sermon, but maybe it would sound better with just one. You know what I mean? I feel like, yeah. Tim always talks about the deep well that you have when you're, you know, when you're doing all of this research and all of this time, just dwelling on and meditating on a passage and you're thinking about it from all these different angles. And it's almost like to use his analogy of the deep well, it's like you're plumbing the depths of a really deep well. And all you can give the congregation is a, is like one little cup full (laughs) from that well. And it's like, you got to pick what's the cup full that I want to give them. Um, but you still have this huge bank behind you of, of, knowledge and experience and how it moved you. And yeah, that's hard through that. Every time I tweet, (laughs) <laughs> that you want yeah. to tweet them a deep yeah. well? Yeah, You're just limited by that well. character limit, but I got a lot more to say. That's when you get into threads, Tyler. Yeah. 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 Well, and your dad taught me something that I think will stick with me for the rest of my life, that there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Yeah. And while there's an element of teaching, obviously, in every sermon that we hear, somebody like Tim can have a Tuesday night teaching class Mm -hmm. where he can say, Hey, you know, we didn't quite get to chapter 13 today, but we'll pick up next week, right where we left off. And that's not really the way sermons go 
here at Grace because it'll be Amy and it'll be you and it'll be Tim. And while we have a unifying theme, we're not just necessarily picking up where we left off unless right. it's maybe like a BYOB and we're going through like the Exodus. Last week right. we were still circling the mountain or, or whatever, you know, um, but <laughs> right. for the most part, our series, they're not linear like that. Right. Um, and so t- Dave said, you have to talk to them. Like it's the only thing they'll ever hear you say. Hmm. And I thought, yeah, that's, yeah, I bet. that's really powerful. And that, that alone helped me to condense when hmm. I looked at my stories and I looked at how much I was saying and struggling to, to trim that time down, I, I just kept saying, do they really need to hear this? No. Yeah. Okay. Let's get that out of here. Do they really need to hear this story? No. You know, so that, that was super helpful. Again, like when you, when you asked me um, if I would even consider ever doing something like this, one of the biggest motivating factors for me was being able to like, just sit at the feet of you and Amy and Tim and Dave mm. and just like, as much as I can absorb your wisdom. That was the fun part of this process. Um, Tim loaded me up with commentaries. I think I have 11 <laughs> commentaries at home. Yeah, and yeah. That's like all the nerdy stuff that I just love so much. So thank you. Well, yeah. Tim's was like, Hey, my door office is unlocked just go grab whatever you need. And yeah. it's like uh, an entire library of stuff. You're like, where do I even yeah, what do I start with? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, Marin, I appreciate you saying that. I don't think sitting at my feet, I think I'm, I'm pretty new at that. I'm sitting at their feet as well. <laughs> I'm learning a lot from them. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, well, it, yeah. you're a Jedi master too. I called your dad a Jedi master because <laughs> I, I sat with him for about an hour and just kind of got as much as I could, but just to give our, I guess the friends of the pod, get an up close look at what this thing was actually like. Because this was my first message at Grace, um, I really wanted to be able to give like a practice run for yeah. for Amy and Barry um, because I never did anything like this at Grace before and I wanted their input. And some of that input that you gave me, Barry, just reshaped where I had put stories hmm. and yeah. reshaped the structure, not even necessarily like reshaping the content, but your flow was just like, oh yeah, hmm. yeah, that, that fits way better at the top. And I shouldn't save that for the end. And the input that you and Amy gave me was just so valuable. And That's when cool. I talked to you guys last Monday, it was right after I did that run through when we recorded the pod, when I was saying, I've got so much work to do because that's <laughs> yeah. the work I had to do. I had just given it for Amy and Barry and they said, okay, here's what we think. And so then I took everything that they told me and sat with it and continued to wrestle with it until I got it to where I felt like that's it. I can't wrestle any longer. <laughs> yeah. So this is it. This is it. Yeah. All right, Marin, you are a person that we've talked about it many times. You just, you always have something to do. You're always doing stuff. <laughs> when did you find time to do this? Like oh, you wrestled with it and you yeah. did it. And like, is it just like when everybody else goes to bed, you, this is what you're doing or yeah. <laughs> did you lock yourself in a room yeah. and nobody talked to me? Like what? Yes. what? <laughs> yes to both of those things. Yeah. Here's what I did. That was kind of special. I went on Facebook marketplace and I bought myself a chair because like every other seating place in our house is a common area. The sunroom, mm-hmm. people hang out, the living room, people hang out. And so I put a chair 
in our guest bedroom and put like a bookshelf nearby and just made a tiny little corner of my home, multi-purpose. It's still a guest room. My sister is literally staying there right now. Her child is sleeping <laughs> on my chair, my special chair. But that's where I did all my studying. And yeah, I mean, the balance, of course, is not doing too much studying and like having my family, like feel the pain of where's mom. Oh, locked in a room again. You know, you know, so I would try to work around their schedules and I'm a night owl anyway. So a lot of it was super late at night or whenever I could squeeze it in or like when the kids were at merge and Jed Mm. was a small group leader. Hey, if Jed and the kids are gone, guess what I'm doing? I'm going to lock myself away in this room and work on this message. So Jed sure was a proud papa this My weekend. My goodness. He was uh, <laughs> ear to ear, smiles, Jaden yeah, on drums. see it because of the mask, but. Yeah, couldn't see it, but you could just tell. You could see it in his eyes. Well, Jaden on drums, Marin preaching. Let me practice it for him at home. I asked him a, a number didn't, of times. You know what spoiled? No, yeah. he did not he want the fresh experience. That's yep. that so I, awesome. I really wanted to like sit my whole family down and just yeah. be like, okay, guys, what do you think? But he did not want me to spoil it for him. So yeah. that was kind of cool. Like when we drove home Saturday night, Jaden drummed for the service at 146. And so, yeah, that was their first time hearing the message and seeing me speak, you know, in, in, in that context at Grace Church. Yeah. Um, and it was just so encouraging, you know, I don't think I, it's fair to say that I don't get a whole lot of encouragement from my 16 year old son, (laughs) Yeah, but he was like insightful. It was more than just like, wow, mom, you did great. It was like, wow, mom, when you said this or when you said Mm. this and he talked about specifics and that just was like, I wish I could capture this moment and save it forever. And it was more than, remember when you said cream cheese brownies, those sound really good (laughs) right now. (laughs) Make those those for me, mom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I laughed out loud when you said you, the first, you didn't do this at at the nine o'clock service, but at the five o'clock service, when you said, you said Philadelphia, the, the best cream cheese, have you ever had cream cheese brownies? (laughs) And then the way you said it was, I think I just changed a life tonight. <laughs> I just laughed. Every time I thought about that, I laughed because you're yeah. totally right. You probably did change a life. That's that. hilarious. Oh, My sister yeah. actually made some keto cream cheese brownies last night, which by the way, I was flooded with texts and oh, inbox messages yeah. of people who, who made brownies last night. So like major oh, wow. props to Grace Church for getting out there and making the brownies. And I hope that it was all unifying and that you will never think of brownies the same ever again. But like, I lost count of how many people were like sending me pictures of their pans of brownies now. That's it, fine. it was what a we, very delicious night for Grace Church. What's like the ultimate brownie rank? <laughs> is, it, is it like... Fudge number one <laughs> with like tons of corners and edges on it. Or I'm not do, a corners do you like the- person. <gasps> I oh. want it like barely cooked. I want it fudgy. You want to eat your brownies with a spoon. Fudgy, fudgy, fudgy. Yes. So, and, and Jed and I like walnuts in our brownies. So my sister's oh. keto. So she's not going to do like my standard brownie recipe, which I put in the app notes. Um, so she <laughs> made her special keto like cream cheese brownie and we tried it. It's really good. Like it. It, it wasn't missing anything. It was delicious. And then I made a regular pan of brownies for the kids and then a, a walnut variation for me and Jed. So 
<laughs> you know, the brownies that are just like bottom level is the like the like tan brownies. What are those cookies? Blondies? Yeah, blondies. No, those are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was never able to get with the blondie. <laughs> I did not know what you were talking about. Tan <laughs> brownies. I was like, what is this? The same way that I can't, like cookies. Yeah. I can't yeah. reframe like turkey as a burger. Like, no, call it something else. That's not a burger. Mm-hmm. I can't reframe blondies yeah. as a brownie. No, because it's it's something entirely different. If it were a different yeah. shape, I would probably like it better. But I like the brownies. It's usually like, presented in squares. I'm like, what is this square? This is not the square I want. Where's for most of my life, I was anti-brownie. I was just not into it. I was like, if we're going to do dark <laughs> colored dessert, give me cake. <laughs> brownies and some people make their brownies cakey and And i I did think about that i thought like what if i lose half the audience if they yeah there's like how dare they hate brownies again that's what the show's for we lose the audience uh i like the pans that they sell that look like snake yeah so they've got all edges so every piece has two edges on it those are amazing wow yeah that's like the opposite i go i dive right into the center of a giant like what are nine you, by thirteen. Monster? Inch. What kind of monster is a piece right? Hey, you're the, the one you're the one saying you prefer cake to brownies. You're the monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's talk about the sermon. Because I got a lot of questions uh based on, you know, you 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 kind of teased a little a couple weeks ago that you're gonna you are looking at Peter. And so mm-hmm. I want to talk about and in 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 the sermon you said I want to talk about the character of Peter. And so my first question is, um, well, first of all, you you have a reputation around here of knowing your Bible, Marin. So people people tell me all the time, I love tuning into Between Sundays and I love listening to Marin because of her heart for scripture. Um, but as you prepared for this and you dug into the life of Peter, what was something that maybe you didn't expect that you learned or what did God reveal to you about him that mm. maybe you weren't expecting or that was new to you? Are yeah. you going to ask her the standard question about recapping the sermon for those who might've missed it? Cause I'm not I like, what was the big idea for anyone who may have missed it? Wait, I love Barry right now. Hold on. That's it's not like, fair. How dare you? All right, I'm going to log Barry. off Barry. You go ahead and take it. You, no, you no, I'm taking it from here. <laughs> it's funny. All right, so Marin, what was the big idea? <laughs> the big idea was um, our pursuit <laughs> of unity will heal isolation. Like as we're pursuing unity together, we will bring healing to isolation yeah. and bring about the kind of reputation that God had in mind for his church. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and and that was because the overarching theme of first Peter is Peter telling the new believers to live exemplary lives among the natives, to be the best citizens possible, because as I said in the message, they were so misunderstood Mm. and things were getting ramped up. I didn't say this in the message, but they were about to go headlong into an intense period of persecution. Nero was about to like impale them and light them on fire. So did they know that? Like they knew this was coming or was it just like... The persecutions were beginning to intensify at the Mm -hmm. time of the writing of this letter. So it wasn't, it wasn't like full blown, you know, Colosseum type, you know, murdering Christians in mass number. Not yet. But they were, they were 
they were starting to head down that really gruesome path. So he talks a lot about suffering. It's another theme that is constant in this very small letter of First Peter. Suffering, being good citizens, and standing together. Like That's the letter of First Peter. Hmm. And so for some time I was like, okay, well, how does this pertain to isolation? And so that was the biggest challenge, I think, when I was first... Um, kind of compiling raw data and yeah. studying and doing things like that is just to see the connection. There's an obvious connection between the words he uses in verse eight, right? To, to do all the things that we talked about, the five yeah. Greek words, but the overarching theme of the letter, you know, is he writing to them because they're isolated or is there another reason he's writing to them? Mm-hmm. And again, I could have gone in probably a hundred different directions with it. And that's what makes the Bible so, wonderful to me. It's, it's not a one note thing. It's complex and it's multifaceted. Next week I could preach you from, I could preach to you from first Peter and go a totally different direction with it and preach on a different hour. Now we're getting cocky. Hey, hey. <laughs> Next deep week. well, deep well. That's all she's saying. No, Here's another I'm ladle full. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and you said something earlier that like, and people have said this to me that they appreciate the way that I know my Bible. Yeah. But when I sat down to prepare for this message, I felt like I didn't know my Bible at all. Hmm. But that's just because of how deep it is. I yeah. could study for the rest of my life and still not really grasp the entire Bible. It's going to keep revealing itself to me and it's going to keep unlocking things. So to your question, Tyler, what did I learn about Peter? Yeah. I've always known that Peter was a man um, who was kind of, kind of obnoxious at times, especially um, in some of the stories you read while he's with Jesus. He's the only disciple to not let Jesus wash his feet initially. Right. He's like, I mean, no, I get, Lord. personally, I get that Not me. Right. But then he turns it around like he's feet. a man of extremes. First, he's like, no, never. But then he's like, well, then wash, wash my, my whole body. When the servant of the high priest came to apprehend Jesus in the garden, when he came to arrest him, Peter's right. the guy chopped off his ear, like super impulsive Peter. He's the guy yeah. that tried to walk on water and then very sang. emotional. Yeah. But yeah. Peter knee jerk reactionary. And I think I would have thought, and then he denied Jesus three times. He was so broken about it, but Jesus comes back to him and says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And he says it three times, just like how Peter denied him three times. Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And then Peter is like changed from, from then on. And he, he goes and he delivers this super powerful, uh, bold proclamation of the gospel in the beginning of the book of Acts. 3,000 people are added to the family of God that day because of Peter's powerful message. And he just kind of seems like this, the rock upon which God will build his church. Like that was one of the fun facts in the app notes. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that Peter continued to mess up. And so kind of digging into like how Peter at first was saying, yep, there's neither slave nor free. You know, we're all, we're all Christians now, no Jew, no Gentile. 
but he, he slipped up and he, he started to slip back into his old ways of separation between Jews and Gentiles. And Paul confronted him about mm. this. Like, what are you doing, man? This, this isn't it. We're, Christ didn't die to make us one only to have you make us separate again, you know, make us two. But from what <laughs> yeah. I can tell, Peter received that correction. And I think it was the, the Jerusalem council in the book of Acts, Peter stands up in front of a bunch of uh, Jewish leaders. And he's like, no, no, we really are one. Yeah. And that came, that came because of the, <laughs> the vision. I just told you the entire story of the Bible that came because of the vision of uh, the animals coming down <laughs> on a sheet from heaven and, and God saying, mm-hmm, uh, in the beginning kill and eat. And that was all just a big metaphor for, Hey, what you thought was unclean is no longer unclean. I'm calling oh, it yeah. clean. And he goes to Cornelius's yeah. house and whatever. So, like that's the kind of thing that I could get so excited about when you see Peter's transformation of, hey, we really are one. Peter struggled with that in the beginning, but he had like a revelatory mm-hmm. experience from God himself that prompted this like forever change of his heart. No, we truly are one. Mm. And I could have said all of that. Yeah, he had to yeah, he, go yes, through that transformation exactly. so, himself. So that's, I wanted to tell you that story because it's why he's writing this letter. He probably wouldn't have written the, the letter of First Peter the way that he did if he hadn't already had that experience that changed him. So, yeah, that's all mm-hmm. a long way of mm-hmm. answering your question, Tyler. Like, what yeah, did I learn? Cool. What surprised me about Peter? No, that's good. It raises like a million other questions like, all right, if I'm... If I'm someone who, well, maybe not. I mean, motivational speakers make money on that kind of stuff all the time where they like go to the depths of despair and then rise again and they mm-hmm. get to talk about it and we, we take them seriously. There's the other group of people <clears throat> where like you have made some really bad decisions or whatever and then you come out, you rise above it. And I feel like in 2020, we're like, nah, we're not going to take you seriously. Like you messed up. You messed up. You're over. Yeah, you're over. You're canceled. Uh, It's really interesting that that's not what happened here. Like he he was a prominent figure, disagreed with another prominent figure, Paul, because of like some ideological stuff, had a transformation. And then like now we have first Peter where everybody is unified and he it's like practicing what you preach a little bit. And uh do not do as I say, not as I do or whatever. But this guy, all of a sudden, everybody's taking him seriously. Cause now he's absolutely, he's if he's going to write to you in first Peter yeah. and tell you to be humble. It's cool to know that there's a story in Peter's yeah. life where he lived that out. He's not just saying it to you. He had to humble himself when Paul yeah. and Paul, when, when he writes of this, I think it's in Galatians. He sounds almost cocky, you know, like if it were in modern day vernacular, it'd be something yeah. like, Man, and I called him out. Like, like he wouldn't sit with them, yeah. Gentiles, and eat with them, but I called him out in front of yeah. everybody. That's, that is what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too. I keep thinking about this, the, the difference between Peter and Paul and how both of them became 
massive pillars of the church, but for different, like their backgrounds couldn't be more different. Peter, the backwoods, blue collar, nobody who, who had this, he was like one of the top three disciples of Jesus. He was Jesus's best friend. And he went on to be a pillar of the church despite his flaws because of the Holy Spirit. Paul, who's this urbane, Harvard educated, like ultra intelligent. (laughs) No, not really. I just mean if we're using blue collar, like he's, he's like, like he's like very, very intelligent. Like he was, he was like top, he was on his way to being one of the most famous Pharisees of his generation. Like for him to also switch sides and start following Jesus. Like the two of them couldn't be more different. And no wonder they're like, they were butting heads because Peter had authority, but no (laughs) class. Paul had class, but no authority because he was the guy going around killing Christians, you know, or like, and so it's that you kind of see them as these, as this binary star system, they're like orbiting each other. And, um, I've, I've heard, um, some scholars say that Galatians was one of Paul's earliest letters. And so it's possible he's young in his ministry. He hasn't even made it all the way through Asia minor yet. And he's writing this letter to the, to the people that he first was sharing this radical gospel with. And so I I think it's kind of interesting to see how these two young men are growing and they're maturing. And do you know, Marin, from your studies, when they're estimating that Peter would have written first and second Peter, are these, are these later in his ministry later in life? These are, I think he is crucified upside down, like shortly after he wrote second Peter. And so first Peter, I I have it written down in my notes, but it's, I think it's somewhere like early 60 AD, like around there. So right before, right before Nero's reign of terror, he's writing this letter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if you think about that, it's just interesting that this is, this is what has come after decades of living out this, this ministry and building this wild church movement. And yeah, yeah, it's so interesting to think about. Mm. We always, man, I'm so grateful, Marin, that you're talking about this because it helps to kind of fire my imagination because we so often just, these letters are just like, we just treat them like theological code books or something. We don't think about the fact that there's this deep, rich. Absolutely. It would personhood be like and history behind them. The very last Star Wars movie and not watching any of the movies that came before it. Obviously, the movies that came before it set the table and make that last movie so exciting, right? Like <laughs> if I just took the last Star Wars movie by itself. Yeah, you no, really you don't sure just want to watch that the, last one. <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't know the hadn't. backstory, yeah. right? <laughs> and so that's why... I would have loved to right. have told you a ton more about Peter if I had a whole nother hour to give you the backstory and show right. you how cool yeah. it is that he is saying these things. And then even in some of the cross-referencing and stuff that comes up when you're looking at what Peter mm-hmm. wrote, he's using a lot of the same wordage that Paul used in Ephesians or in in Romans. Like there, there's a yeah. lot of of crossover language that you're like, huh. So they're both saying the same thing. You know, anyway. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's set the table for the the actual scripture you use, you, you preach from. So <clears throat> when Peter wrote this, you mm-hmm. said Christians were largely misunderstood. And all I could help think about was, well, that's right. That not, none of that's changed like that. That's pretty much the same as it is today. Um, but 
to be honest, the whole like <laughs> eating flesh, drinking blood stuff like that yes. is if you don't know what we're talking like that yeah. is weird if you don't Absolutely. know what that means. So, yeah, if you think Christians are cannibals, ancient people, yeah. I get it. I understand yeah. why you would think that. <laughs> Because uh, because some people think that's right. whacked out now when we talk about that, but um, all right. So the verse you you chose to kind of rest on for the majority of your yep, your sermon yep. was verse eight in chapter three, right? Um, and you called out five powerful mm-hmm. words uh, in Greek that Peter was using to communicate to the. Uh, the type of people that we need to be together and are called to be as Christians. Um, I'll just read the verse and then we can, we can talk about each word that you pulled, pulled out says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender hearted and keep a humble attitude. So you pulled out these key action words, be one mind, sympathize, love, mm-hmm. be tenderhearted and be humble. Uh, you, you use Greek words, the, the actual words that uh, Peter was using. But let's start with one mind. Um, you said this is this is the yeah, completed yeah, this is what we're shooting for. batch of brownies, right? This is the this is the brownies. Every piece has no, a no, crunchy edge middle, on man. it. Dead center. Dead center. Um, soft middles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. My question is after your, after you, after your sermon, uh, I walked away, got in my car, went home and I was like, have we ever seen this? Have we ever seen the batch of brownies? Or is this something that we have to like experience in heaven? Like we're aspiring to it, but is this something that people have like the church has continuously aspired to be, or has there ever been a period of time where we've tasted the batch of brownies and we just have to get back to it? Christianity globally has ever experienced this all at the same time. But I think churches have experienced this at different seasons um, in, in the lifespan of, of that church. And I think that that's why Peter tells us to work, to maintain it. He wouldn't tell us to maintain something that wasn't Mm -hmm. possible. And so I think, yeah, there have been times where we're groups of believers have been able to do these things well, to sympathize with each other and love each other like family. Man, I can think of churches I've been a part of that at times have been able to do that very well, but it's something that needs to be maintained. And now I'm cross-referencing again, but there's a scripture, I think it's in in Song of Solomon, uh, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the grapes, or there's another one new in the New King Testament King. about how just a little bit of sin like screws up the whole batch. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I think that's mm-hmm. what churches see. That, you know, here we are. We have a measure of unity. Something happens to begin to splinter us, to drive a wedge between us. And if we are not careful to maintain that unity and to, what is it, seek uh, peace and work to maintain it, we fall apart. So yeah, I, yeah. I, when I look at these words, I've been a part of some, you know, churches in my lifetime that in, in great seasons were doing this really well, but then something happens, you know, they change the color of the carpeting or, you know, in my church that I grew up <laughs> in, I remember there was a big uproar over the pastor's wife wearing open toed shoes. My Lord, did she 
really wear open-toed shoes. Splinter the church. Yeah, Yeah. well, I was was, uh, observing (laughs) that you did not show your tattoos. That was that was when you that were was not intentional because was I, that intentional? I think Ephraim has no problem showing his tattoos, and he led us in worship. So while it has been intentional at other churches right. when I've gone to do music there, I'll 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 dress in a way that I know they're not going to shoot me down and not hear a word I say because they're some people will do mm-hmm. that. They'll look at your tattoo and yeah. they'll ignore you. <laughs> so no, but that wasn't intentional. I think I was trying to wow. look as much like Amy Christie as possible. Yeah. What did Amy wear? That was my question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think in answer to your question, Tyler, I, I've seen, I, I agree with Marin. I've seen glimpses of it um, that the aroma of Christ, I feel you, you get whiffs of it in different communities. And um, I, I've seen some places where it's been, it really has thrived. But what I think has been, what I've noticed is I, I know that the evil one, is very crafty and he tends to use certain pressure points that are different in different cultures and different times. And he'll use them to, to knock us off track. Like for example, um, one of the things I've, I've, I saw a few times in, in my travels around the developing world is I saw communities that were so integrated and so loving and they would give everything they had to care for one another. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's like the early church. Like that's what I read about in scripture. And all it would take is one little bit of corruption to creep in through a leader who would choose to, to take, to take advantage of that community and, you know, take their goodwill and use it to enrich himself or whatever. And all of a sudden it would fracture and you'd see all that good work go to waste. And I think in our context, there are plenty of other pressure points, but I think one of the big ones is our hyper individualism. And you even referenced this Marion in your message, but we, that is something the evil one uses to, to say, no, don't ever conform. You need to be your own person. Um, don't trust authority. Don't, and you, you know, you hear that message enough times and it's easy to start saying, well, I'm leaving the church cause I don't like the carpet or that's the last straw. I can't believe you'd say this or that. I mean, that, that kind of thing is one of the pressure right, points right. that or the evil one uses I, in I our try context. To like, I try to distill the sin or, or the situation or whatever it is to like the thing that's at the bottom of it. So like you've got this community of people yeah. who start out just like, um, I think it's Acts chapter four where, you know, they had all things in common and they were sharing among the brothers as needed. And it starts so pure mm-hmm. and all these things are there. You've got the brotherly love and you've got the sympathy and um, the humility. You've got all the good pieces, all the ingredients are combined, but then someone in the group gets a little greedy and greed leads to like this acquisition yeah. of goods or whatever. And, and the other people in the group start to feel envious. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's that, okay. So, so then the whole thing falls apart, you know, whatever the church falls apart, but it started with an act of greed and that led to an act of envy mm-hmm. and that led to division. So even, in, even with struggles I yeah. have, this current day, like this very moment, I try to just break it down to like, what's, what is the sin that's really in play here? What's really, what's really happening? I I had this story written into my message and I took it out for time, but I knew I would tell it on the podcast. So we are trying to sell our house in Munster and 
some terrible storms swept through the area and blew over a giant pine tree in our backyard. And it blew over into our neighbor's yard. It took out two Mm -hmm. of their pine trees, landed on a power line, knocked out the power to the entire block for more than a few days. Like it was a bad, ugly, bad situation. So the first thing we had to do is call the power company. The power company took the tree off the line to restore power, but left the tree all over my neighbor's yard. And Believe me when I say it probably would have been better for this tree to fall on their house because they love their yard so much. They are an elderly (laughs) couple and they have a beautiful yard. We love being their neighbors when we live there, but their yard is immaculate. And so this was devastating to them to have their most prized possession destroyed by our tree. And so they have our number Hmm. and, you know, we live roughly three hours away And I I got home one night and I I saw my husband. He looked like he was just kind of stressed out and he was on the phone. And as I went over to see what was going on, I could hear that neighbor coming at Jed through the phone. I could hear him. I was standing probably five feet away from Jed and I could hear this Uh neighbor. And the problem was there were so many trees down in that region, uh, Chicago, the suburbs, everywhere. Every tree removal company yeah. was swamped and telling us that they couldn't get there that day. They might not even be able to get there the following day. Mm-hmm. They said they prioritized trees that fell on people's homes or trees that blocked traffic, not trees mm-hmm. that were just randomly in someone's backyard. And that that's logical to me. That makes sense. But my husband was trying to relay that calmly, yeah. logically, I'm sorry. We're doing everything we can. I called multiple tree companies. Every one of them said that they're, they're swamped right now. They'll get to you as soon as they can. And I heard the neighbor say, I don't care about those other trees. My wife is hysterical. She's crying and he's emotional. He loves his wife, but he doesn't care about every other tree. Yeah. One that's smashed into a person's roof. He only cares about this one tree <laughs> and we should be doing everything in our power to remove it ourselves. We don't have a truck. We don't have hauling capacity and we live three hours away. So I wanted to snatch yeah. that phone. No, I They're wanted to snatch that phone pod, right? out of Jed's hand <laughs> and, and give him the what for. I felt this Gird indignation of like, we're being wronged. You're being unfair to us. You're, you're, you're calling us disrespectful hmm. when all we're trying to do is, is help. They're acting like Jed went over there and pushed the tree over himself out of hatred. <laughs> of course he could do that. Which but he can do. Anyway, I, I felt yeah. anger and I felt um, defensiveness. But, but Jed. All right. No, is that wrong? No, is it wrong no, for you to feel that? I don't think do that, that like that's wrong because those are human emotions. Okay. I think it's what we do with those emotions. It's not wrong yeah. to feel hungry. You know, we're going to, we're going to feel feelings as humans, but it's how, it's how mm. we choose to take that next step. So what happens when you feel indignation? What happens when you feel defensiveness? I wanted, I, I obviously, obviously you get on you Facebook, get on Facebook and you blast the neighbors by name <laughs> and make a big deal out of it. Right. No, I watched Jed live out verse nine about don't return insult for insult and don't Mm. retaliate when people insult you. He was so calm throughout that entire phone call 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We really are doing everything we can. And I know it bothered him, but he was so humble in the way that he went about interacting with them. Mm. And then the very next day, he took a whole day off work, drove up there and helped to remove the tree himself while the neighbors, while the neighbors sat in the the yard, like hawks, like what, you know? Oh my But it was the way that Jed exemplified Christ among the neighbors, literal neighbors, Mm -hmm. among the locals. And I could Hmm. do that, but likely had I gone up there, I would have said something snarky because I was real upset with the way they treated my husband. That, that, that would have been wrong. That would have, no. that would have not yielded anything good. No good would have come from what Unity. was in my heart. They, no, they would not have been no. smelling brownies. And it could have, it could have pushed us further apart. It, they know we're Christians. They know I, they know where I work. They know Grace Church is the reason we're not their neighbors anymore. Yeah. I moved out here to work at this church. So especially me, oh, if no. I'm the one yeah. who's rude to them, what does that yeah. tell them about Jesus? What does that tell them about our faith? So- right. And if they are like the other people yeah. on the chart that you showed, the fewer, the fewer and fewer people who have any confidence in the church and you fulfill what they have. They're already, already have that as an expectation of Christians. Then, then you've done more damage to an already damaged reputation for the church. Imagine being that neighbor and imagine knowing, (laughs) man, I was out of line and Jed was, Jed was just nothing but nice. Imagine what that, what that would do. And that, that was, um, that verse that I had shared earlier about like, being careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and give honor to God. That could have very Mm. well played out in that situation. (laughs) Even when they accused Jed of doing wrong, pushing the tree over himself and causing the storm, even when they accused him of doing wrong, his honorable (laughs) behavior (laughs) signified that he has surrendered his life to Christ. And he walks in humility and they could glorify God. Yeah. All right. So let me tell you the opposite story (laughs) because now I said, I feel convicted. Okay. I didn't feel bad about this until right now, (laughs) but about a week ago I went golfing and there's a dog leg left hole, which means the hole is going to eventually you tee off and eventually the, the fairway is going to turn left until you get to the green. Okay. So I try to cut the corner. I try to cut the corner over the trees to cut the corner to take a shortcut, basically. But I didn't make it all the way. And I landed in some guy's yard. All right. Who just happened to be in his yard when I hit the ball. And so I go over there and say, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I did not mean to do that. I thought I could clear the trees. Um, I'm really sorry. I apologize three times. (laughs) Like Peter (laughs) Uh, three times. Yeah. And uh, he said, I wasn't out here for 30 seconds before that ball almost hit me. I said, yeah, I'm I'm really sorry. I did not. I did not try to do that. And I certainly did not try to like uh, end up in your yard because your yard's out of bounds. And uh, he said, my wife almost got hit two weeks ago. I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. So that's the third time I've apologized. And then he kept talking about it. 
And I eventually said, it's a shame that there are not any houses for sale around here that are not on golf courses. <laughs> and I got back in my golf cart and I went to go hit my ball I somewhere met, I, else. I bet that that made you feel really good. And he said, <laughs> no, it didn't make me feel anything. I was just like, okay. And that's, that was one of my questions though. Like, do we just like keep in that moment? Do I just apologize until he goes back inside? What you, do I do? You said you were <laughs> sorry. You like, said you were sorry multiple do? times. If he didn't want to receive your apology, that's on him. But you, you did humbly, yeah. at least initially, humbly yeah. what you were supposed to do. <laughs> now, if you were Jed, <laughs> and he said, if I'll you see were you, Jed, you would have gotten back on yeah, your golf right? cart Shoot. and went about your merry way and just you, you would have won that yeah. situation by your humility. Yeah. So now I'm realizing <laughs> I did not bring unity. <laughs> but that's why I said that I know that us. this is hard. I was afraid that throughout this entire message, somebody would be like, she's so full of it. Because, because mm. we why, all Why would know they think that? That there's a reason the divisions exist. Because... Yes, yeah. exactly. Like, like it's, it's idealistic. idealistic. Or I, I actually like unattainable. I used that mm -hmm. word. I think in the eleven o'clock service where I said, "I know I sound like an idealist right now. I know I do, because I like I just shared that story from that tree blew down the Monday before I gave this message. <laughs> so it's like it's mm -hmm. an object lesson just playing itself out as I'm working on a message all about humility and responding in unity, I'm watching in real time why this is difficult and why it's so easy to have rifts remain rifts and why this division exists to begin with. I know it does. I mean, and that's just a yeah. real life situation between neighbors. Yeah. That's not even talking about the, nasty circus of social media. Yeah. And so that was actually my last question um, that I have on my list of questions is like, is there ever a point between Christians where we have to figure out who's right or like what God wants? Like, is there ever that point? So like you talked about how people are leaving the church because of politics and American politics and this, these kinds of things. Uh, some, um, some of these political things like have implications on the church. Some things the church do have implications. Like we've talked about it on the show before wearing a mask has political implications, right? It doesn't have to, but it, it now it does. Okay. So, um, we say things like we want to wear a mask to care for the most vulnerable and to care for, uh, it's, a, it's an act of self-giving love, right? Is there ever a point between Christians, because you, a couple of your, your words here, love like family, be tenderhearted, mm -hmm. be like, be humble. That doesn't ever, that does not indicate to me that there's ever a point in which like we have to figure out who's right about this thing or what God wants us to do. It's like, none of that matters because the thing that matters is being unified because. Yeah, is, actually, is that, is somebody that, does that sent make me sense? an email asking a question similar to that. And I didn't answer that email yet because I haven't, I have not had time in my special chair up in the guest bedroom to sit <laughs> and yeah. ruminate and, and think about this 
in a way that would make me feel ready to respond. What comes to my mind immediately is um, I think there was a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas and they had to part ways. Now we see way less of that in scripture than we do see examples of having to part ways. So by and large, unity wins the day. Unity is the law of the land. Now, I did say that those other words, loving one another and being sympathetic and uh, tenderhearted, loving from your guts, compassion from your guts, I think all of those hinge on that word humility. And so depending on the disagreement, let's take masks. By refusing to wear a mask, are you being humble? By wearing a mask, are you being humble? Where is humility? Look mm-hmm. for humility. Yeah. I almost said something about that in the message. I didn't. I don't I don't see wearing a mask as compliance. I don't see wearing a mask as obedience. Okay. This Walmart says I have to wear a mask. Yeah. Ugh. This church says I have to wear a mask. I don't see it as compliance. I don't see it as obedience. I see it as humility. It's an act of humility. And we are inherently prideful as human beings. And I think that's the reason so many of us are fighting this thing tooth and nail. How dare you tell me Mm. what to do? Especially in this country of of freedom. It's all we've ever known, freedom. How dare you tell me what to do? But if you can yeah. reframe it, if you can reframe it and, and don't just take my words, pray about this, ask God to just speak to your heart and ask him about where yeah. am I behaving in a way that is humble as it pertains to fill in the blank. Let's just take masks. Am I behaving in a way that is mm-hmm. humble as it pertains to mask yeah. wearing or anything else? Yeah. And Tyler there, I I think, I mean, another way to look at that question is I think, yeah, there are times where the body comes together to determine Mm -hmm. what is true. I mean, when, when Paul and Peter had their big falling out over Gentiles, like they had their big debate, they didn't just say, well, you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe and we'll go our separate ways. They had a council. They brought together the leaders of the church and had had a long spiritually discerning question, uh, you know, conversation to determine what is the most loving, what is what is God's intention for His body. I think there are times when we do that as a, as a community, as a church. Um, but I think when that happens, it's about the core stuff, the big stuff, yeah. not the not the small stuff. The, yeah. I, I think we we have to. I think we have to be hyper unified and hyper clear about what the core things are and rally around those things. And then I think we need to be hyper humble I, yeah. about everything and else. I think if we're humble, um, yeah. we're going to arrive at the right answer. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the, one of the things that we do at grace that is, people don't believe me when I say that we do it. We've talked about this before, but we do decision-making by consensus most of the time. Uh, It is rare that one person just calls all the shots and it's not how we operate. We uh, We operate by consensus, which means that, for example, when the lead team is making a big decision, we spend time in prayer to simply pray that we would be, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, Tyler? Uh, 
shoot, I'm forgetting it. A prayer of uh, indifference that we would be indifferent. I was about to say indignant. No, no. indignant. No, indifferent (laughs) to anything other than the Holy Spirit's uh, will. And we set aside our agendas and we, we meet each other on common ground in that sense to try to determine, uh, there's a, a verse in acts where, um, they, they send a letter to the churches to answer a specific question about Jews and Gentiles. And they say, mm-hmm. it seemed best, best to, to us, to the Holy spirit and to us. Yeah. And so it's like, it's a, it's a process by which we determine what seems best to the Holy spirit and to us. Uh, and so we're able to be unified in that. But again, those things I think need to be the few and far between things that are at the real core, the deep, deep, important things yeah. and so much else just operate with humility and, and be okay with the fact that the people disagree. the most controversial story that I can tell about this. Um, <laughs> Let's so go. Let's go. Have you heard of the Kojic Church? <laughs> the Church of God in Christ. The Kojic Church. The Church what? of God in Christ. Oh. Let me tell you. I grew up in a denomination called the Assemblies of God. And I was taught my entire life that the Assemblies of God was born out of a, a street revival in California, Azusa Street. And there was this massive move of the Holy Spirit and people were mm-hmm. speaking in tongues. And there's like news publications all over the world talking about what's happening in California. Wow, this is crazy. Revival, revival, revival. And that is the pride of the denomination I grew up in. So then I become an adult. And I don't remember where I learned this. I know I was never taught this in my church. But the Church of God in Christ was born out of the same revival. The same leader, the same leader Hmm. who started that church revival. He's like the father of the Kojic church, the father of that church. But one is largely black and one is largely white. Hmm. And so the miracle of Azusa Street, the miracle of that revival wasn't just that people were speaking in tongues or whatever was showing up in the newspapers at the time. It was that blacks and whites were worshiping in close proximity at this revival. And the leader of that revival was a black man. Hmm. Now, fast forward a couple years, they decide, you know, it's probably better that we go our separate ways. And because of that, you had two separate denominations form and carry on that way for decades. Now, sometime in the 1980s, they tried Hmm. to like repent because they realized that that was a mistake. That was disunifying to separate that way. Hmm. But by then you had these two religious entities that had each developed their own govern governing ways and just their, their own structures. The church of God in Christ had things like bishops and things that the Assemblies of God doesn't have. It just, they were too far down the road of separateness to come back together and and be one. That is a sad, sad, sad story to me. And I think that that's why this concept Mm. of unity, I hold it so, so deeply as a person of mixed race, Mm -hmm. as a person who grew up that way in the Assemblies of God Church, who was one of Mm. two women of color and in that entire church, it breaks my heart. Wow. And again, had they met back in the, I don't want to sound stupid. I can't remember if it was the twenties or thirties or whatever, but had they met 
and each of them in mutual humility and self-giving love come to the table in the beginning. They could have landed in a place that was unifying instead of skewing off into this yeah. alternate universe of now you, they just, that's mm. probably why you don't even know much about the Kojic church. It's huge. Ask, ask yeah. a lot of people, <laughs> ask me, ask Ephraim. We know the church of God <laughs> in Christ. They're, they're known for their music. They have the best music, yeah. but it's just yeah. all a result well, of not being unified and not being humble. And had they been humble back in the day, they probably would have landed in a better place. They probably mm. would have made the right decision instead of making the wrong decision. You understand? That's why I think that humility is yeah. the, yeah. the, the linchpin. Hum- humility is the, the hinge. You don't have any of these other things without humility. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, this, this sermon, <clears throat> There's a lot of times you go to church and you hear a sermon and you're like, man, I hope so-and-so three do- three rows down <laughs> is paying attention to this. Like, yeah. I hope my wife or husband or whatever, I hope they're, are you listening? Because this is about you. Uh, this one's about me or this one's about the, like, this one's about you. This one's about the person listening because mm-hmm. um, the 2020 version of that story, Marin, and the mask thing and the whatever is... I'll be humble, but you right. better be humble too. Or right. you better be humble right. first. As soon as you're humble, right. I'll be humble. It's right. like you go first and everybody goes to their corner <laughs> waiting for the, for someone to go that's, first. That's, that's all right. Um, and you, you, you talked yeah. about it mm-hmm. and you said, this is Peter's not asking. He's not asking you to be humble. He, he's, he's yes. saying, you figure this out, the, commanding us. Yes. Jed did not need our neighbor to be humble first. And it's, Jed knows that his yeah. responsibility right. is to God first and God tells him to be humble. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to wait for the other guy. Yeah. Even yeah. if the other guy's a Christian, we don't have to wait for them to be humble first. We right. are responsible for our own selves. We're responsible for right. how we react in situations and we have to be humble. But think how, think, think how natural and blameless it would seem for Jed to have said like, look, I'd be, I'd be willing to drive up there and take care of the tree myself, but he's such a jerk to me on the phone. Like he doesn't deserve my, you know, help, you know, like how easy would that be? And we'd all be like, I know, right. Oh, people are the worst. But what he chose to do was to say, wow, yeah. he's a huge yeah, jerk. And that's I'm why I be said humble tender hearted is a hardcore word. It sounds so like almost like a Disney yeah. princess, one who is tender of heart. Like that's, that's not it. It's hard <laughs> to be tender hearted. Yeah. It's hard to be a first responder. Yeah. It's hard to live with that kind of gut level compassion. Yeah. But that's what we're talking about here. I think it was Jed chose the harder road. Jed chose the narrow, the narrow road. It's, it's a lot more gratifying to yeah. like put them in their place and say the thing and walk away feeling like, you know, yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> tell them they should have bought a, a different house. Gratifying. But if there, <laughs> there's a narrow path, there's a, a way that is, it goes against what we feel in our flesh. What we want to do gratifies the flesh. Yeah. But mm-hmm. everything we are as Christians is crucifying the flesh. And that's why tenderheartedness is yeah. hardcore. Yeah. But the last thing I'll say about that, and I did, I told someone this after service, I, I should have said more of this in the, in the message. And I'm sorry if I, if I didn't make this clear, not by might, not by power, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so this is hard. This Mm. goes against every ounce of humanness that we have, that we want to scratch that itch. It just feels so good to fire back an insult. But the Holy Spirit gives us power to do the hard things. The Holy Spirit gives us power to stop and ask, am I being humble in this situation? The Holy Spirit gives us power. So I just wanted to tell the church that there is hope for this. This is not unattainable. The Spirit makes us one. The Spirit makes us one. You have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. So let Him do the work. Let Him empower us to choose humility and to choose to pursue unity. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Marin. Um, that was, can I say real quick, one little thing that just one little thought, just dad's not here, uh, obviously, but if he were, there's a story I would, I would ask him to tell. So I'll just tell it for him because it, it links to all of what you, what you just said. Um, many years ago, he was at a dry cleaners run by a Korean family who didn't speak great English, but that, that was like their dry cleaners. That's the one they always used. And one day as he was dropping off or picking up his clothes, uh, the, the owner said, are you Christian? And he said, yeah. How did you know? He said, oh, you, or no, he said, are you a pastor? He said, yes. And he said, he said, how, how did you know that? And he said, oh, you smell Christian. And it was his way of saying you have the aroma of Christ in your interactions with me. Hmm. So, um, all that to say, like, what if we smelled Christian, you know, what if, what if everywhere we went, you smelled those brownies? I just loved that. I never heard that story before. um, I'll just leave you with that. Smell Christian. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Barry, where are we going next? Okay, next, uh, this coming weekend, we are going to continue talking about the next big word, which is proximity, which will be a little interesting. Um, we're looking at the story of Jesus touching the leper to heal him. And it's just, it's interesting because we're in a period of time where we're not touching each other physically very much. And so what do we do about that? And yeah. uh, what does proximity look like as a way of healing isolation when we can't physically touch or sometimes even be in the same space? Mm. Um, so that's what I'll, that's what I'll be talking about. And cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Marin, I laughed when you said the thing about <laughs> we're doing this awkward elbow bump <laughs> oh, thing. Man. I hope that goes away. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people, a lot of people laughing and nodding time. when you said really? that. Yeah. We're doing this. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, the, the worst part <laughs> is that no one does the same thing. Right, <laughs> like the handshake right. at least was the same thing. Yeah. Nobody does the same thing. It's either yeah. the elbow or you're like fist bump or it's like head <laughs> noggins or <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> foot touch. Yeah. No, yeah. you don't. Yeah. You like no. touch each other's no. fo- toe to toe. What are you talking about? What? It's like <laughs> hit each other's, I don't know. <laughs> feet. <laughs> it's best to make sure the other person oh, knows no, that's no, what you're man. doing before you do it. <laughs> you kick them. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh, that's where we're going. Right. Marin, thanks for the sermon. I am super proud to be your friend. You blew me away. We were sitting there at five o'clock Saturday and we were just like, she is she is crushing this. And I know that you attribute everything um, 
to how God spoke through you. And that, that's, that's what makes me the most proud is that you, you are well, humble through this thank experience. You. And, and to and, prayer. Um, I, so I asked for prayers multiple times and multiple yeah. friends of the pod said, we heard your cries for help. We're praying for you. So thank you. Thank you. Every friend of the pod that, that <laughs> prayed. Some of you I know yeah. personally, some of you I don't. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. No. All right, we'll be back next week, but for I now, sure Mary, will. will you please Do send us out? justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.